Hey, what's up, everybody? It's Coach Josh. Going to officially welcome you guys and gals out to another live Q and A with yours truly. My goal is to help you make sense of your life and help you grow spiritually for God's optimal use. So, if you uh, feel like these videos or what I do here on YouTube or wherever you live stream or uh, listen to this material is a benefit to you, make sure you subscribe, hit the bell, make sure you uh, engage, make sure you uh, just continue to uh, um, um, stay connected as we grow together in Christ. But for those who's watching live, do me a big favor and share. Um, if you're watching or listening later, um, feel free. I think I already said all that. But either way, thank you all so much who's listening or watching on Google Play, Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, YouTube, Spotify, or wherever you listen, wherever you got this material. I pray that it's a blessing to you. Um, this is my live Q&As. This is where you have the opportunity to ask me whatever questions you have. And based upon my experience and my ability to exegete God's text, I will be able to um, um, answer. And if a question I can't answer, I just can't answer. But the good thing is I'm in partnership with the Holy Spirit and he's a present help in a time of trouble, in a time of uh, of confusion. And um, we're in partnership. So I'm going to go right into the chat box, see who's here. And uh, greet everyone who's watching live. Get your questions ready. I'm excited. I won't be here before you guys and gals too long um, because I really want to make sure that um, I get rest and all that good stuff. But uh, Marissa, hey, how you doing? Hope you're doing well. God bless you all. Your loved one. Thank you so much. God bless you. Too. Christopher says, hey, coach, how's your day been? It's been pretty good. Great day at work. Um, I started a group at my school and I'm excited about the young men that I get to help. Um, and just all that, man. Life's been good. Family's good. Wife's good. Um, day was great. Thank you for asking. Vanessa, what's going on? Hey, how you doing? Jessica Reed. Hey, coach. Uh oh, did I skip people? Sabrina. Hey, what's going on? Michelle Miller. Hey, how you feeling? Uh, WK9. What's going on? Jessica Reed says, hey, coach, when was one time you overcame fear through faith? Great question, Jessica. Um, man, <clears throat> a lot of times, more times than I can remember, but I can't even think to the, my, my mind right now of a moment. I just know what I practice. Um, Anytime I feel afraid, I realize that what the word of God says, that I walk uh, not by uh, I walk by faith and not by sight. And usually um, my life has progressed to such a degree where um, based upon the fellowship that I have with the father and more <clears throat> that I engage with him, um, usually those fearful or afraid moments are brief. Maybe sometimes it lasts more. Sometimes it only lasts maybe a few minutes to maybe a day and a half. And usually after that day and a half, I have built my faith up because I began to do what I've been telling a lot of people to do my videos is uh, looking back over the faithfulness of God. And number two, realizing that fear is an illusion, that on the opposite side of fear, there's everything that I desire to have, that fear cripples, fear paralyzes. In order for me to walk into the promises and the, and the place or the positions that God has for me, I have to make sure that I realize that that the grace of God would not the will of God would not leave me where his grace won't keep me that if I or if I allow him to order my steps I know that wherever he has stepped me or placed me he is there with me and so I began to realize that now um usually uh, uh not usually but the reason why is um fear doesn't last long in my life is because I have made a decision to go with the flow of God I have personally made a decision not to uh, make decisions by myself. I've made a decision not to not to acknowledge God, but because I acknowledge God and because I trust God and because I have built up <clears throat> a faithfulness in my fellowship with him, that anytime I feel afraid, I begin to tap into the spirit of God that's with me and I begin to process the faithfulness of God that eliminates all fear. And the number one thing that the scripture that really um, sinks in for me is that the Lord's perfect love casts away all fear that I know I'm loved. So when I feel insecure about a about a, an assignment, if I feel insecure about uh, anything that he wants me to do, anytime I feel afraid, I begin to realize just how loved I am. And because I'm loved with him, he through his spirit will empower me to overcome this fear. The Bible says he did not give us a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. And those three things will help you overcome fear every single time and walk in faith because you have already uh, um uh, built up a faithfulness and fellowship with him because the reason why many of us are afraid is because we don't really know the father. Many of us are afraid because we don't fellowship. The more you fellowship with someone, the more you trust that someone that when you find yourself in a troubling situation, you know who has triumphed or tri uh, who has gotten a victory over 
every troubling thing. So therefore, if you know that he's with you, you know that his spirit will give you the power that you need, that you know that you are loved. So you have the confidence that you need and that you actually have the ability to have self-control so that when you are afraid, you will have self-control over your mind. So you won't be thinking doubtful. You, you got self-control over your mouth. So you won't be um, talking doubtful. You got uh, self-control over your feet so that you don't walk in doubt. You see what I'm saying? So all of those different things helps me because fear is an illusion. And I know that in this life, I'm going to have to go forward. And on this path, there are going to be moments of fear that's going to try to grip me. So, hey, coach, when was one time you overcame fear through faith? Uh, if I can think of one real quick, I can't remember. Um, I, I, I just I just make it such um, a part of my life that there hasn't been a recent moment where I've been sunken in fear to such a degree um, that that I haven't walked in faith. There has been plenty of times, I'm sure, but it hasn't been a time recently. Um, but but I pray those verses and those points helps you understand and process. So when you find yourself in a fearful moment, you can be able to um, overcome it. I'm by the help of the Holy Ghost. Great question, Jessica. Vanessa says, hey, coach, what's going on? Dana Warfare. So my question is on soul ties. How long exactly does it take to break? Um, Soul ties is based upon um, the severity of the incident, um, the individuals involved in the incident, your cooperation with healing. Um, There's a lot of variables that that goes with it. Um, I got a book. I don't know if you I don't know if you've been familiar with it. Um, This book here that I wrote um, last year or two years ago called The Purpose of Freedom. And I go in very uh, I go in depth on soul ties and I have maybe 15 videos online about soul ties. But the length of a soul tie is determined by, like I said, the severity. Let's look at severity. If you went through a severe, severe situation that that is deep, that is dark, that is that is that is whatever it is. You got to be honest with it. You got to be able to say, okay, <clears throat> if it's a paper cut soul tie, it'll probably heal. Not it. It will take. It won't take long for it to heal. But if it was something deep where it affected your identity, where it affects your insecure, where it affects your security, where it affects you in a deep way, then that's when you got to be honest. And how you do that is get a sheet of paper and write down scale to one to ten. How severe were my incidents? Well, how severe um, was this relationship? How severe was my upbringing? How severe were those moments? And really be honest, because any athlete knows that if you have a severe injury, you just cannot jump out the next day and do what injure you. And what most people do in relationships is when it comes to the soul, because we don't understand the soul deeply. We begin to allow our soul to be deeply involved with other things through idolatry, through insecurities, through impulsiveness. We just begin to say, you know what? I can handle it. No, you got to be able to say, no, my soul can hurt just as bad as my body can hurt. And if my soul can hurt like my body can, then I got to allow it to heal. And you allow your soul to heal by processing everything with the word of God and with your mind willing to allow the Holy Spirit to heal you. Now, why do I say the mind? Because your mind is the computer of the soul. Your mind is what is what enables you um, to become a, um, 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 repentant and renewed in an area. And so if your mind is not willing to be renewed and really process the, the intricate details of what caused the soul tie in the first place, then you will never begin the journey. And what most people do, they lengthen like the children of Israel, an 11 day trip takes 40 years. And some people allow what could have taken 11 days or 11 months to affect them 11 years to 40 years. It's all based upon your obedience and your willingness and your and your ability to, number one, be honest with yourself. Be honest. Honesty is the best policy. You got to be honest. Say, you know what? That happened. This happened. Honesty means, God, I'm honest with you. I'm tired of BS and I'm tired of acting like I'm okay. If you're not okay, you're not okay. So you have to be honest. Number two, you got to be willing to begin the forgiveness process of whoever hurt you or whatever, even self-forgiveness. And a lot of us, the reason why we're still tangled within our soul ties is because of self-hate and our unwillingness to forgive ourselves. So there's a lot of different variables that play a play a part. But when you ask the question specifically about length, length is... is um. Length is based upon your willingness to allow the Holy Spirit to lead you out of it. And what I mean by that is, is willing to say, you know what, what happened, 
who calls it, how did it happen, what does the word of God say against it, and what scriptures or what resources can I use to renew my mind in my inner area? Because the one, the number one thing that helps you untie a soul tie is your mind being renewed, a change of perspective, changing the way you see an incident and allowing that incident to, to progress you into a better person, deeper into personal development, deeper into relationship with the personal, with a, in a personal relationship with God, and all those things, there's a lot of other things that I can say, but sometimes we lengthen the soul tie because our, of our unwillingness to be honest with ourselves and our unwillingness to renew our minds and our selfishness or self-hate. Hope that helped. But this book on the purpose of freedom goes in greater detail um, on how you can um, break those soul ties. Um, but like I said, it's based upon the severity, it's based upon um your perspective, it's based on based upon your willingness to forgive, it's based upon a lot of you. God can do a lot, but he cannot do a lot without your cooperation. Your cooperation, I wouldn't, I wouldn't, I don't like to articulate this in this way. Your cooperation doesn't limit God, but your co- your lack of cooperation limits your healing, your part in the process. And the more you cooperate by being honest with yourself, finding scripture to help renew your mind, changing your perspective, and being honest about the length of the healing that it will take, then you're not going to break them. But check the book out, The Purpose of Freedom. It's a book on soul ties and strongholds. And I believe the points that God gave me in that book will help you. Great question though. Um, Psalmist Angel says, hey coach, I, I I have always felt like Joseph from the Bible. Does God promote by humbling you so he can use you. Yeah. And the Bible says he resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Um, the reason why he gives grace to the humble, but resists the proud is because the humble person is not trying to intentionally make mistakes. That person not intentionally trying to sin. A pride, a prideful person says, I don't need you, God. I'm going to do me. So God resists that person because that person's not even trying to allow God to help them. A humble person says, you know what, God, um, um, I'm going forward in you. I'm going to make mistakes. God covers those kind of people because he knows their heart is humbled. And that person's heart is trying to grow in the things that God grow in their understanding to be a better person. Um, but God does give grace to the humble person because that person at least recognized that they're nothing without God. They realize that they're everything they everything they could be is involved in him. And they're willing to put the word of God to practice, even if there are mistakes. And God gives grace to that person because he knows we're all going to make mistakes. We're all going to get it wrong, but at least the humble person recognizes it. At least the humble person is least um, um, willing to be led by the spirit. And so he gives grace. And so when you look at it, <clears throat> Joseph, Joseph was proud. God gave him a dream in the beginning about the coat of many colors. He began to run his mouth. And in his pride, running his mouth, it got him into the pit. It got him into prison, got him into Potiphar's house, got him back into prison. And then he got into his position. It took him 18 years to get into position because possibly it could have taken him 18 years to break off that pride. But one thing we noticed about Joseph was that he was willing to at least operate in his gift. He was willing to at least do his calling. And do it in a way that he felt God leading him to. But um, but it was ultimately him being humbled and allowing him, allowing the Holy Spirit to humble him <clears throat> that got him into position. So, yeah, you're right. Does God promote by humbling? God promotes, number one, a humble heart. But number two, according to his time, you can have a humble heart for years. And just having a humble heart doesn't guarantee a moment, a day and a time of promotion. But it does guarantee that you will. But a lot of people think, well. I'm humble. Why am I not being promoted? If you have to recognize or acknowledge your humility, then you possibly not humble. Humility is just a way of life. You just recognize things. You're just not, you're just not jumping into, well, why is it not my time? Man, false humility is a real thing too. But um, if you're truly humble, you don't have to say it. If you're truly humble, you just live it and you trust God's time in the process. Great question. Be Holy Living says, I can't believe I made it to one of these. You're, what? you're so welcome. God is good, ain't he? <laughs> this might be your time. I woke up in the middle of the night in London. I know this will feed me. Do you have any questions? But enjoy it anyhow. If I see your question, I'll get to you. Uh, WK9 says, uh-oh. All right, here we go. Uh, oh, WK9 says, how can you deal with overthinking? Great question. This used to be me. I used to overthink everything. I used to overthink everything. And in me overthinking, I fell into worry and overthinking. I fell into doubt and overthinking. I fell into confusion. Right. 
So how did I, how did the Holy Spirit help me? Uh, and what processes has he equipped me with um, to help me control my mind? See, the mind is a muscle, but the mind must be controlled, right? Um, your mind, your thinking is an art form. Let's start there. <clears throat> thinking is an art form. There are under, there's underthinking and then there's overthinking, but then there's thinking. There's a type of thinking that God wants you to have. And it's based upon certain pillars of understanding that has to be instilled, installed in your mind. Certain things have to be installed in your mind. Number one, God's timing is perfect. Another thing that, that must be installed in your mind is that, <clears throat> that, that, um, that you are a new creature in Christ. Another thing that should be installed in your mind is that, um, uh, what's some other things? Let me just think on the top of my head. Um, uh, uh, that that patience must have her perfect work. That's another thing that has to be instilled in your mind. Number three, you have to be instilled in your mind is that you have to trust God no matter what. And there's a lot of things that I can go on that has to be instilled in your mind. I call them perspective points. Perspective points are pillars in your mind that frames the way you thinking, the way you think. There are worldviews that, they're not worldviews, but they're uh, um, um, barriers or fences or or river banks that that flows that allows proper thinking to flow um there has to be also uh processes in your mind like a processor in a computer that has to be processing your mind um that helps you quickly determine what's vain and valid um there has to be uh, uh um scriptures downloaded in your mind um i tell people you have to at least have five three to five memory verses memorized on all the areas that's tailored to you. The Bible says that I think David said that I hide your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. That's a proactive um, technique that he installed these verses in his heart so that he might not. It's not that he tried to install them in the midst of a sin or try to install them uh, moments before he fell or whatever, but he hid them in his heart so that he might not sin against him in moments when tried. So there has to be a lot of different things uh, um, installed in your mind that frames the way you think so that your thoughts will bounce off against the truths in your mind and it won't break through and flood into overthinking. Because if you do not have um, God's timing uh, the uh, the purpose of timing placed in your mind, then you'll start overthinking about when is your time and why is it not your time. If you don't have something installed in your mind about uh, uh, singleness and about the purity of marriage and what the word of God says about the things, you'll begin to overthink things in that. If you don't have scriptures or or a process installed in your mind in regards to patience, then, you, then you're going to be impulsive. If you have uh, lustful thoughts, you don't have no pillars established in your mind about the importance of, of pure thoughts, then your mind is going to flood into these things. That's why you have to have ultimately the Holy Spirit to govern the way you think. And what I mean by that, fellowship with them. The more you understand him, the more you understand the word of God, the more you understand life. Thinking becomes a resource. It becomes an asset and an liability. Most of us, a lot of people, our minds are more of a liability than an asset. You have to make sure that your mind serves you and that you don't serve your mind. Your mind must understand who's boss and that's the Holy Spirit, but you have to be intentional in installing <clears throat> processes, um, the word of God and things to frame the way you think. So that when moments of doubt, moments of insecurity rise or moment of temptations arise, you begin to process those thoughts through those processes. And then you'll be like, you know what? I'm not going to underthink this situation. I'm not going to overthink this situation. I'm going to think because I always say thoughts may come unaware, but thinking is a choice. Thinking is a decision. When you think on something, you're giving that thought power. But if you have certain process in your mind, you will begin to recognize a vain and a valid thought. And you'll be like, I'm not going to give this vain thought any fuel. I'm not going to give this vain seed of thought any rain. <clears throat> I'm going to cast it out of my mind because I have systems in place. And a practical way to help you overthink is write down what you're overthinking, write it down, and really process that thought according to the word of God. Get that thought that's causing the main, that main cancer, that main uh, theme of thought, write it down. And I want you to get at least three to five scriptures that discusses that particular topic. And I want you to compare that thought to what the word of God says. All right. I want you to compare that thought to what common sense is. And then the more you begin to practice that with pen and pad, then it'll become a habit of the mind 
automatically and it'll help you minimize that overthinking and you'll be thinking on things that are pure, lovely, just of good report and your mind will stay on those different things and not waver. Hope to help. <clears throat> great question on that. Uh, all of these are great questions. Uh, all right. Hello. Hello. Hey, Cassandra. Hey, Tracy. Hey, Ashley. Hope y'all doing well. Me, Miss Lady says, what are your thoughts on online dating? I think it's a waste of time. I think we should allow dating or relationships to be in the hand of God. We, none of us are smart enough to select a significant other. None of us are. And, 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 and going out and doing things or going out there to set yourself up or to position yourself to a degree is a lack of trust in God. And, and people will say, well, Josh, you're old school or you don't believe I just I lived it. God put me and my wife together, even even in the midst of everything in these last seven years. We ended up together. You see what I'm saying? So I saw how God I remember the moment when she came with well, the first day we met. I remember all the other engagements. I remember all of the other things. And God did it. I didn't go out there to make myself available. She came when I wasn't looking for her. You see what I'm saying? And and what I mean by that is, is that God is very good at matchmaking. And we're not. And when you put yourself on, online, you putting yourself up in in areas of temptation, um, in areas of 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 openness. Like 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 if you have if you're thinking about dating, then you're distracted. If you're thinking about marriage, then you're distracted. There's nothing wrong with thinking about it. And like and I, um, what I mean by overthinking it, there's nothing wrong with thinking on how can instead of thinking about the idea of something, instead of thinking about the idea of being available to date someone, think about um, how you could prepare for those different things. You have to distract yourself from distractions. You have to distract yourself from distraction. Now, what does that mean? I have to intentionally distract myself from being distracted by being by through personal development, by putting the work in, by saying, you know what? I'm not even going to put myself on no online platform. I'm not going to make myself available. I'm going to make myself available to God and I'm going to distract myself in service to him, trusting that in his providential timing, he'll bring that right one to me. Online dating, dating period is a waste of time. The only person that, that you should date is the one that God has for you. And you and all of us and everyone, not me, but everyone who's single has to trust God that he will do it. Anytime we step out and do things like that, we're basically telling God we don't trust him, especially online dating, because what's the purpose of online dating? I'm, I'm making myself available online to see who's interested. And then I will waste my time, waste my resources, waste my energy to date that person, hoping that I find somebody in the pool of people versus, you know what, God, I'm not going to jump in that pool. I'm not going to jump out there. I'm going to trust you. Online dating is a waste of time. Um, none of us are good at selecting who we think because the person you think you want now ain't the person that God knows you need. And we have to trust God that God ain't going to give you somebody that you're not attracted to, that God's going to give you someone at the right time. So in order to uh, become the person uh, worthy of your the significant other, you got to develop. So distract yourself from distractions and focus on developing in God and trust him. Even in the moments of loneliness, even not loneliness, not, even in the moments of insecurities, you have to have those frames of mind, those processes to help you process against it. Hope that. <clears throat> Oh, Michelle Miller says, how much do you charge for coaching? It's, ba accounts <clears throat> it's based upon your budget. Um, right now, um, you know, as a family man and as working in a school, um, things are kind of uh, unpredictable sometimes. Um, so all I tell people is just submit. Go to my website, IamUnplugged.com. Submit um, your budget. Answer the questions on IamUnplugged.com. Go to the co custom coaching tab. Just submit it. If I get to you, that I'll get to you. If I don't, don't take any hard feelings. I may get to you in about a month or two. Um, but it's based upon your budget, your time, your resources that you gain from me is based upon your budget for coaching. And I'll see what I can do to help. But I know I talked to you, Mich uh, I know I mentioned you, Michelle. So just message me. Let me know. And um, if I get to you, I get to you. If I don't get to you, I may get to you eventually. Um, but just uh, charge to my head, not my heart. Hope that helps. Hey, Cassandra. Hey, Tracy. Hey, Ashley. Uh, oh, I already said y'all names before. All right. What are your thoughts on online dating? Do you think God is coming soon? Um, definitely the signs are saying the Bible says when you see the signs in the sky, know that he is at the door. Know that he's coming. Um, um, people are, uh, uh, self-seeking like never before. Lovers, is, lovers themselves, lovers of pleasure like never before. Um, um, yeah, we're, we're getting, 
we're getting close. I don't know how close. Close to God could be 100 years. Um, but I could tell you right now, we're definitely in the last of the last days based upon the signs. And so I would say, get ready. I would say, um, get to your purpose. I would say, um, work um, while, while, it, while it's day. Because when night come, if no man can work, it's best to it's, it's best to get serious about God now because because we are not in the days of our parents or grandparents. We are in some dark, dark days. And it's paramount that we get that we position ourselves and we do the work of God now. And that's what I'm doing. I'm working in urgency because I know the signs I hear that the that any moment now greater than when our parents were any moment now. But then I can't say that because God may not come back for another 200 years. But what I'm saying is the signs are the signs are like sirens letting us know that that day is approaching sooner than it has before. Good question, Ashley. Christopher says, when walking with God, what part is, uh, I think you begin, I think you're trying to say free will. Um, when walking with God, what part is free? Let me see if you kind of adjust that question. Let me see. Christopher, 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 Christopher. I don't see your question again. All right. <clears throat> Pretty much all of it's free will. I think I think your free will, in order to fulfill the will, your free will has to has to be in pace with it. Your free will, the ultimate, the ultimate point of your free will is the releasing of it. What I mean by free will is that that you must allow the Holy Spirit to lead, number one. And number two, you have to allow your mind to be renewed so that you can be able to recognize the will of God and and submit to it. See, that's the part of the free will that allows God to take the will is us submitting to him. When we submit I will to him, then he can drive us throughout the way <clears throat> and he'll guide us because we submit it. We are submitting to his guidance. So when I go to Disney World or when I go to a place that requires a tour guide, I submit my will to the guide, to the, um, to the, to the guide. That person ain't forcing me to walk. That person ain't pulling me to walk. That person don't got a gun to my head, making me walk. It's that I realize that I know nothing about this establishment. I know nothing about this park. So in order for me to gain wisdom about where I am, I have to submit myself to follow the guide. And since the moment you begin to recognize that you know nothing, the moment you realize that you don't know nothing about life, that you are that you are not as smart as you think you are, then you will begin to submit your will, your free will to the guide. And it will be a draw, not a pull. It will be a draw because you desire to follow him. And that's when your free will and God's will begins to match. And a beautiful and beautiful things occur because you begin to realize I know nothing. You've been humbled. And you recognize that life is more serious than you thought, that life is deeper than what you thought. And in order for you to find treasure in the deep, you got to allow the Holy Spirit who who, who, who uh, knows the deep things of God guide you and help you find the treasures of life. But that's what happens. You got to submit your will to his sovereign will because you love him, because you recognize the price that was paid for you, that you begin to recognize that, man, salvation is real. Jesus is real. This thing is no joke. So uh, since I know nothing, I'm going to submit myself to the one who knows everything. And that's how uh, walking with God becomes easier when your mind is renewed to the fact that you know nothing and that you need to trust him about everything. Great questions. Dion says, what's up? What's up, fam? Hello. Raw Scout says, hey, coach, how do I make sure I didn't skip nobody? Okay. <clears throat> um, hey, coach, how do I find my why? How do I find my why, my reason to change? Great question, family. <clears throat> what I would say is your why is what moves you deeply. We're not talking about what moves you surfacely on the surface. We're talking about what moves you deeply. Um, I have a strong burden on equipping the saints, loving the loss, equipping the saints. Um, your why is all around you. Um, sometimes our why is confused, uh, based upon the different things that we engage in. Um, so you're drawn to helping people. You're drawn to a certain thing, but it's it's being used in a perverted way. It's being used in a way that's not according to God. Like 
I used to wonder um, why why that scripture of be, become all things to all men that I might win some was such heavy to me. It kind of gave a glimpse to what was already in me. See, your why was in you when you was forming your mother's womb. When you came out of your mother's womb, everything in life is revealing to you. You can go all the way back to when you was a kid. You'll begin to say, man, those traits were dominant and those traits are still dominant. I have this unique interest in this, this unique burden for this, this unique group of people that I love. Some people love children. Some people love to help women. Some people love to help men. Some people love to help families. Some people love to help pastors. Some people love to help leaders. Some people, see, it, you will know when you interact with the world um, um, and you, you will learn from your interaction with the world when you was a kid and in your up previous years. But now you'll begin to say, God, show me. And God would just God is not going to bring new things. He's just going to take the scales off your eyes so that you can see what was already telling you about what you're here for. And then when you begin to allow God to do that, the reason for change will be that I have to, in order to make a change, I have to make a change. In order for me to make a change outside of me, I got to allow the Holy Spirit to make a change inside of me so that I can match the change that needs me to be at that level for their, for change to occur. If I want to change other people, I got to change the way I think about the word of God. I got to change the way I think about preaching. And God did it over years. I always knew I was a preacher, even though I didn't want to do it. My why was always to help people. But there was a lot of uh, uh, heart stuff in the way of me doing it in a pure way. There was a lot of bad patterns. There was a lot of bad perspectives in my heart, in my mind that was affecting me doing it in a pure way. That's why God kept me isolated for such for so many years, because he wants to purify my heart at the level, prepare my heart at the level that will spark the change that he wants to spark through me. You see what I'm saying? And so when you begin to recognize that, you'll be ready to change because you will be like, in order for me to reach them, I got to be this type of person. The Bible talks about in Romans 1 or 2, it talks about um, people who preach but are disqualifying themselves because they they teach other people how to do something that they have not taught themselves. And so but in order for the Holy Spirit to put you in a position to teach others through, through life, through word, through creativity, through music, through art form, whatever, you have to first teach those principles to yourself and master those principles so that you can teach them not just through words, but through life. That's why when you look at the school system is jacked up. Why do they have teachers teaching us things versus people who actually do those things? Why, why is there a person teaching accounting, accounting when it never, that person never did any type of accounting work? Why is this person teaching me um, ministry when that person doesn't have a ministry? Why is, why did it, why teacher, teachers have a good heart? But I'd rather be taught by someone that actually does it on a day-to-day life than a person that can talk about it every day. And that's how many believers are. They're all talk but no walk. You see what I'm saying? I want somebody that has walked it out. I don't really want to, I don't really want to be taught by someone that's walking it out. And what I mean, or, or not walking out, but figuring it out. I want somebody who's already walked it out, knows what pace to walk, knows, knows the stride you must have. And that's um that will inspire you to be the person you need to be to cause the change that you desire to see. Hope that help. What's up, Dion? Amber says, how do I know if my desire for a thing is God sent or from my flesh? Easy. It, um, you know how genuine you are. Basically, it all, like I said, always boils down to a pen and paper. Um, what was the most recent thing I had a question my heart about? Um, maybe about a year and a half ago about ministry. I really had to think about um, cause I've been doing unplugged locally in Charlotte for like 10 years or so. And, and I used to, and, and it's amazing because five years ago, I would have never not walked away from, I would have never walked away from that kind of ministry. I would have tried to through pride, tried to boast my name, whatever I would have did whatever. But I began to realize that I know my desires is from God when I want him to be glorified, when I genuinely, truly want to. And that's what I meant about being honest with yourself. You really have to be honest with yourself and be like, yo, do I really want to do this for God? Or do I really want to do this for me? Or do I really want to do this to make other people feel bad? Do I, what is your reason? If your reason is to do it not for God's glory, and and but to be known, listen, you know it's of God when you want him to be known versus you to be known. 
right? That's for my creators, my entrepreneurs, my go-getters out there. Um, you know you generally want to be married when you're okay with being single. You see what I'm saying? You know your desires are mature when you're okay with the, the, uh, the idea of not having what you want to have right now. You see what I'm saying? That's when you know it's of God. You know it's of your flesh when there's impulse, when there's impatience, where there's irrational, irrational, when there's uh, uh, um, idolatry. That's, those reasons is you want those things for the flesh. And the Bible says um, you ask. When you ask, you ask wrong because you want to consume of your own lust. Do you want the love of God to use it or do, is your lust wanting to use it? And that's where you have, that's, that's the processes that you have to have in your mind that will that will help you be okay with where you are because you'll recognize I'm not who I need to be. I'm not who I need to be to be where I desire to be. And that's what I do all the time <clears throat> with ministry right now. I had to ask myself, um, Josh, why do you want to be big? Why do you want to be successful? And I have to always ask myself that when opportunities come, what are you going to do with this opportunity? Uh, why are you pursuing this opportunity? And that either slows me down or it just or it just makes me put it down. You see what I'm saying? So if I know it's something that I know I'm not ready for, or it's not for me, I have to be willing to put it down. If I know it's something for me, but my heart's not quite mature and ready for it, I have to slow it down. You see what I'm saying? So you processing with the Holy Spirit will let you know all you need to know, whether it's for God or the flesh. Christina Stubbs, hey, how you feeling? Tracy Wood says, Hi, coach. Did you ever struggle emotionally getting through the holidays when you were single? Um, yeah. Um, previously, not previously, like recently. But there was times in my early 20s, because especially when I came out of college and um, and out of a relationship fresh, um, I, I was out of a relationship and I was out of college the same the same day, almost the same week time. And time proved that I was going to never get those two things back. I was never going to go back to college and I was never going to be with that person. And those years were lonely because that was when. Um, the humility was in his infancy stage where, where God was humbling the heck out of me, that God was humbling and, and all of my perspectives to the point to where I was questioning if God was real, because it's question, it's crazy how we question God is not real when we're not real. You see what I'm saying? <laughs> we question if God's a real deal, but we're not questioning why we're not real. You see what I'm saying? And so during those holidays, it was difficult because it was a lot of me learning the 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 learning the contentment I need that I have now. Um, but the last three years of singleness, a four years of singleness before I met my wife, I was just productive. I was just I, it was almost to the point to where I understood my singleness. That's why God graced me to write the book, The Purpose of Singleness. That's why I may have a gift. Of, of, of processing um, certain things with certain people groups, especially singles and young people, is because I lived it and I lived a big part of it, uh, letting God allow me to, to learn from it. I was learning from it more so than living it. I, I, when living turns to learning, that's when you know you're um, um, growing in an area. When you're um, living through my singleness, if you're just going through the motions versus causing the motion, then, then, <clears throat> then you're not going to be effective. And so, um, the best way to uh, uh, to make singleness a, a, a blessing to you is to realize that it's a gift. Every married person that married outside of God's timing or is going through a rough patch in marriage, and it's because of 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 of, of mishandlings, will tell you singleness is a gift. Singleness is a gift. Marriage is is a gift. There are two separate gifts of equal value. Marriage is not greater than singleness. Singleness is not greater than marriage. They're all equal in their own right. When you understand that, you'll be able to say singleness has a purpose. Marriage has a purpose. You know what both of their purposes are? It's to serve God. So there's, there's a certain type of service that you're supposed to do by yourself. And there's a certain type of service that you're supposed to do with your significant other. You see what I'm saying? And that's the difference is the type of service. Um, um, Adam, his first service was to name the animals. The second service when he got his wife was to tend the garden. So it's like, <clears throat> you notice he didn't tend the garden until he got Eve. I think that's correct. Um, but the first thing we know Adam did without Eve was naming animals. So there's assignment for the single years and there's assignment uh, for your married years. And you have to be okay with being single and see the blessings of it. Sometimes we look so much in this shiny thing over here called marriage that we forgot the shiny thing that we have now. When you see singleness as a blessing, you will begin to uh, grow in that season. So, and through the holidays, 
man, don't worry about what your mama got to say about you being single. Don't worry about what your daddy got to say. Don't worry about what your family got to say about you being single. Like I said many times, the reason why people got something to say about your singleness is number one, they envy your singleness, or number two, they want to reap from your married life. So what that means is parents, they, they got the, they, they got a, another biological clock in them. Their biological clock is, I want grandbabies. You got people that got something to say about your singleness because they envy your singleness because you actually don't have to come home to that man. And they want you miserable like they are. They want your marriage to be as miserable as theirs. So they want you to be so fo- uh, so feeling all kind of way about your singleness that you want to jump into a relationship. Man, don't listen to them. Anybody who truly cares about you won't even ask you that question. Now, don't get me wrong. Your parents may genuinely care about you, but sometimes people care more about what they want from you than you specifically. And and that's just the reality you have to face. And then that's when you got to uh, put people in their place by saying, hey, I'm enjoying my singleness, but you got to mean it. You got to under, you got to get a grip of it now, or people going to have you thinking crazy because most of these people don't, don't, they don't have the right words to say. They're not wise enough to understand the will of God. And, and, and when people used to ask me those questions, now they're silenced by the handiwork of God. They're silenced by how like, wow, God did that. So that's what I'll say about that. Two more questions I got to go, ladies and gentlemen. Good question, though. How, Coach? Uh, hey, Coach, did you ever struggle emotionally getting through the ho- Emotions are just feelings, man. If you find the facts behind the feelings, you'll get over them. I'm telling you all the time. You got to use the mind that God is giving you to overcome <clears throat> the attackers of your mind. Jake 211 says, I just reached out to an ex girlfriend. She was not serving God, but I fear she has no one that loves her like I did. I don't want to become entangled again in this mistake. Yeah, man, you got to realize that you are not meant to help everyone, that Jesus is the only one that can help someone. And sometimes we have this uh, 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 Jesus complex in us that that we just want to save everyone. See, I realized that maybe five years ago, Jake, and it wasn't even about a girlfriend. It was just about people. I realized, man, I used to be on on a computer till two or three in the morning answering everybody's email. I used to be, I used to every time someone called, I'd be on the phone with them to four a.m. I was just, I was just all over the place denying myself, uh, uh, um, not and just just being not being healthy, not being balanced. And I realized, yo, coach closes when coaches close. And I don't feel bad about it. Like if I was you, I wouldn't even feel bad about your ex-girlfriend. If she ain't living right, God is well able to take care of her. You can, you are not able to change another person's free will. Only Christ is is solid enough and wise enough um, to, to transform a person's life into coming into revelation. Because when you try to help somebody, you gonna, all your words are going to be is information. What Jesus give them is revelation. See, Everyone has been informed that certain foods are bad for you, that certain things, not everybody, but a lot of people have information. But when they when it's personally revealed to them, then that's when they change. You see what I'm saying? So I just reached out to my ex-girlfriend. She was not serving God, but I fear she has no one that loves her like I did. Listen, you cannot love her like Jesus can. So you have to you have to let go of the idea about that's that's almost um that's a bad way of thinking because that way of thinking is going to have you thinking that you're able to love her out of her mess. Listen, that's a false statement. No, 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 not to you. I'm just, just talking to you like a brother is that no, you, you, you know, Jesus loves her more than you. And, and you got the father of the prodigal son did not go spy on the prodigal son, did not go chase the prodigal son, did not go send spies on him. He just simply trusted God. And that person turned around. That, now, this girlfriend may not turn around and come to you, but just be thankful that that girlfriend is going to turn around to God and, and based upon her choice, because not everybody's going to not everybody's going to turn to God. As the Bible says a lot of people going to hell. It's that simple. A lot of people going to hell. And because the Bible says narrow is the way. And narrows the way, narrows the gate, and narrows the way that leads to life. And few that will find it. Broad is the way, broad is the gate, broad is the way that leads to destruction. And many, so God is okay. I'm not saying God is okay that people go to hell, but God's a realist. God is like, I'm perfectly not perfectly okay. Let me sure change my wording. That God understands that people ain't gonna accept him. You know what I'm saying? And so it is what it is. And so you just got to understand that you can't love her like God can love her and that you now have to transform your love from loving others to self-love. Because if you don't love yourself the way, if you don't receive the love of God and love yourself the right way, then your love will be squandered and misused. 
It says, I did not want to become entangled again. Is this a mistake? Yeah, I would not reach out to her again. Don't reach out to her again. It's going to be hard, but you got to you got to address the insecurities in your heart. What helped me was recognizing my insecurities, long lasting insecurities when I was at that age. Um, and when you begin to recognize that, you'll be like, you know what? It's okay for not to reach out to her because God will reach. God is reaching out to her, but is she reaching out to him? And you got to let her figure it out on her own. Um, when you, it's like helping a, a butterfly out of the cocoon, cocoon. If you help the butterfly out of the cocoon, you hinder its ability to fly. Some people just don't need your help. They got to go through that cocoon's process on their own because in going through it, their wings are strong enough to fly. Hope they help. Be Holy Living says tips of a season of aloneness or singleness and not going back to coping mechanisms, friendship, relationships, TV, and other forms of escapism. Girl, you got a vocabulary. Ooh, gentlemen, no, young lady, you got a, you got a vocabulary. That's what I'm talking about. Tips of a season of aloneness and not giving back to coping mechanisms, friendship, relationships, TV, and other forms of escapisms, which went overwhelmed. My tips of this is realizing, number one, that you're not alone and being a productive in your alone time with God. Loneliness is an illusion. I've said this in many videos. Anytime I answer this question, loneliness is an illusion. It's a lie because you're not alone. The Bible says he's a present help in a time of trouble. He's a present help. That means he's on standby. He's present. He's there helping you right now. So when you're going through this alone season, the best way to, to occupy that space of being alone, I like the word aloneness because it's not, it's not loneliness. When you're alone, you have to realize that you have time to get things done. Um, let me show you the books that I wrote in my singleness. This book. This book has 265 pages. This book right here, I wrote this when I was not married, at least. 249 pages. Um, this book on warfare is 283 or so pages. This book unplug is 157 pages. This book on singleness is 167. You see what I'm saying? Um, look on my YouTube page. 1500 plus videos. Um, so what I'm saying is you got a lot to get done. You know why I'm glad I got a lot of these things done because marriage cuts your time in half. Then once you cut, get children, your children cuts that other half in half. So what I mean by that is being alone gives you an opportunity to produce what you need to produce. Because if Adam would have never named the animals, he would have never recognized his woman. Look at what he said when he saw Eve, bone of my bone, flesh of my flesh. I will call her woman. You see what I'm saying? Something along those lines. But God had to put him in a position to call to call things. I ain't going to say call, call things that be not as though they were. <laughs> but he had to practice his words so that when he recognized who his wife was, he was able to call her what she was. You see what I'm saying? So what I mean by that is there's just certain things. Listen, singleness is a blessing, man. And the best way to avoid those coping mechanisms is to be mechanical in your mission, in your ministry, to be uh, mechanical, meaning that I'm working on my ministry. I'm working on my purpose. I'm working on this product. I'm working on this. I'm working on myself. Do you know how much people wish they was a, was single again so they could be a better suitor for their husband and wife? They wish they worked on those daddy issues, wish that they worked on those those uh, mama issues that they really worked on, all those uh, uh, soul ties, because they would have been a better service to their significant other. That's why I'm so glad that I occupied my singleness and became whole. Wholeness doesn't mean perfection. It just means able to meet the requirements at the basic level and above. And I'm so glad that I got rid of those abandonment issues and all those dark things, lustful stuff so that I can be a greater service to my wife. I can only tell you that, but I bet you if you ask my wife, she'll let you know. I'm so glad that Josh worked on those things and is willing to work on becoming better, even with the new, the new things that may be swimming in his life now. So what I mean by that is be mechanical in your ministry. Why? Why? And that will help you um, get over the 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 natural. What I mean by natural effects, the fleshly natural effects of wanting something that you can't have now. And so the best way not to be overwhelmed is 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 to do the work of God at a at its pace, man. 
if you don't know, if you don't know God now, if you can't recognize him now, you ain't going to be able to recognize him in marriage. You're not going to welcome him in your marriage. You know what I'm saying? So what I'm saying is you're not alone. You have a partner. You have someone right now that's going to teach you because if you don't get to know God, if you don't know God in your singleness, you're not going to allow him to work in your marriage. I'm telling you that. You're not going to allow, because if you can't acknowledge him now, you're not going to acknowledge him in your marriage. You're going to acknowledge the alcohol. You're going to acknowledge the pornography. You're going to acknowledge another woman or another man. You're going to begin to acknowledge other things to help you cope. You think you got coping problems. Now, imagine being in a, in a marriage with someone that could possibly not be the one for you or is the one for you, but you're not ready for it, quote unquote. Imagine what people go to to cope with marriage. Listen, if you're looking for coping mechanism in singleness, imagine how dark, twisted the fantasies are in coping in a marriage. I'm telling you. You get into that marriage and you realize, oh, shoot. I done got married for all these people. And now everybody know I'm married. It's the real deal now. And so... um. Be productive in your purpose. Be productive in your personal development. And you will begin to see yourself being prepared and ready because marriage has its own troubles. It's not even about troubles. It's about what's thrown at you. Stuff is thrown at you now. But imagine stuff being thrown at two people who are not in agreement. If you agree with God now and you allow God to connect you with the person he has for you, then you're going to find how me and my wife, it's beautiful how we handle situations now because we both we both love God more than each other. We both love God more than each other. So when she tripping, I go to God. When I'm tripping, she go to God. When When things are trying to trip us up, we go to God and we find ourselves not tripped up. It's a beautiful thing. When you are allowing yourself to be immersed in God and going with the flow with him. And, and I'm telling you now, as a married man, a year and two months, I'm telling you now, you better enjoy him while you're single. Get to know him now. Because um, if I didn't write these books, if I didn't do what I was supposed to do in my singleness, these things are helping my marriage now. What you do in your singleness, in your single right now, is either going to help or hurt your marriage. So in the meantime... Do what you need to do in this time. So when the time to come comes, you'll be ready for it. Hope that helps. Nick says, hardest thing right now is bringing my heart in alignment with what, what, with what my mind has realized. Um, your heart is hurting. And, it's not, and that's cool. The best thing to do, the first thing is to recognize it. The second thing is to give it to God. God would give you revelation on why your heart is hurting. And then he'll reveal himself and he'll say, give me your heart. And your mind may come into understanding, but you have to use that Christ mind to process the matters of the heart. And you'll begin to see over time, God to heal it. I've been going long. I've been going 52 minutes. Um, Chase says, I truly believe the Lord had me wait for a brother for years and years. He is slow in his pursuit, but I'm often pursued by many secular men. Should I entertain these men? Thank you. So I'm guessing you're a lady. I truly believe the Lord had me wait for a brother for years and years. He is slow in his pursuit, but I'm often pursued by many other secular men. Should I entertain? You should only person you should be entertaining is God. The only person you should be entertaining is God, because what's going to happen is what happens when your husband through insecurities or through whatever is slow in marriage. You still in service to God. You you having a, a practice of serving God will teach you how to serve and give grace to your husband when things are slow. So uh, um, what I would do is I won't entertain either one of those men. I wouldn't entertain the man that's trying to pursue you, nor will I entertain or waste my time thinking about this other brother that you think, that you think, I think you said, I believe, I truly, oh, truly believe the Lord had me wait. And see, the Lord, let me tell you something about the Lord. The Lord may reveal someone that's, that's for you, but he's not going to have you uh, dwell on that person for you. So what he is, he's going to be like, put this on the shelf. Put the young man on the shelf and pursue God right now. Don't think about none of them. Don't think, I don't care how slow that brother's moving because we've I've, I've been guilty of saying that girls was the one for me for a couple of times. Two times in my life, I've been guilty of saying it out of my mouth, but I was wrong. And I'm not saying you're wrong, but I, there was a point where I truly believe, but that was when I was naive. I'm not saying you are, but I just have to just be honest. You have to be just, but if I, if I dwelt on them so bad, 
I would not be married to the one God has for me right now. So what I'm saying is realize that you have to be okay with putting on the shelf and 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 also having a thought in your mind that if I made a mistake in thinking that this is the one God has for me, I have to be okay with that. So basically, you got to put on the shelf and let God do the rest. Because sometimes we could dwell, we could dwell on someone that you think was the one that you deeply believe was the one. That person wasn't the one for you. A lot of people been guilty for that because emotions and goosebumps make a lot of people think that it was God revealing someone in their life, and it wasn't God. So I'm not sitting there saying it wasn't because I don't know all the nuances of your story. But you have to just not even worry about neither one of those men and trust God anyway. Fro one says, "Hey, coach, what is the danger of speaking idle words? What kind of idle words is the Bible want?" Is the Bible warning against? Great question. Um, <clears throat> the Bible says life and death is in the power of the tongue. That the, your words have power. We the first thing, the first, um, the first example of powerful words is God when He said, "Let there be light," and then there was. So, God in His speaking is exclusive. God's, God has an exclusive power with his words <clears throat> that's only exclusive to him. But because we're creating his image, we our words have power. Um, and so the, so the reason why you cannot have idle words, idle words still have real weight. So if you say, man, um, this always happens. Now, that was just an idle phrase. But now you're giving demonic clearance, say, okay, this person already believes that these patterns are manifesting in life. So let's keep these patterns going because, because this person always says this always happens. So then we should always let this happen in this person's life. And let's see what this does in stealing, killing, or destroying things in their life, if not them. So that's why you have to, the Bible says, uh, let your words be yea and nay, anything beyond it is sin. Now, what does that mean? The Bible, the Bible says, let your words be yes or no, meaning yes means I'm saying yes to this because I'm, I'm the Holy Spirit is leading me to do this. I'm saying no because of self-care and because the Holy Spirit telling me not to do this. Anything beyond is sin. So if I tell someone yes, when I know God wants me to say no, that's a sin because now I'm hurting myself. If I say um, no to a person when God told me yes, then, then, then that's a sin because of disobedience, right? So we have to be very careful when we come out of our mouths. We're supposed to be restrictive in our words because of the power that we recognize in them. This doesn't mean you can go out there and say, this, 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 this is mine because you don't got that kind of power. You cannot go to this building and say, this building is mine. A lot of people look stupid walking around cars seven times. I've done that. I went to a car dealership. I went to, what's the um car dealership? Infinity, and I walked around at Infinity Jeep seven times. I'm sure the car people thought I was stupid. Did I? Am I driving an Infinity truck now? I declared that Infinity truck was mine. Is an Infinity truck is mine? No, because you know what? I didn't have no credit. I didn't have no. I, there was a lot of different things I didn't have in play. No maturity, and God was like, "Yo, dumb words. I'm not going to honor what you're saying yes to, because your heart's not ready. That's exclusive situation. Other situations like this." Um, like I said before, um, this always happens. Um, why me? Or, or different phrases that's bringing death in your life. Words you should be speaking of your life is what the word of God says. I'm blessed going out, blessed going in, blessed in the city, blessed in the field. Everything my hands touch will prosper. Um, the favor of God surrounds me like a shield. Um, a thousand may fall at my left, 10,000 at my right hand, but it won't come near me. The steps of this good man are ordered by God. I will trust him with all my heart. See, you use the word of God because the word of God has protective, it's protecting you outward and it giving you life inward. You see what I'm saying? That's what we have to do. And, and filling our vocabulary with those phrases and words ensures that we walk in a, in a thriving, living life for God. But we cannot, why do you think the devil subconscious, not subconscious, but subtly put these phrases like, oh, she bad for she's attractive, or that was wicked when something was dope or good. Uh, why are we saying things are dope? Those things are dope because of dopamine. You see what I'm saying? He wants a, addicted to dope, even though it's not drugs, but it's dope. It's dope to you. You see what I'm saying? Why do you think all these phrases, uh, uh, oh, that killed me, uh, um, uh, or whatever. We, why do you think these words are in culture? Because he wants those idle words in our mouths because just because we didn't have no faith in them, the demons got faith in them and they use those words against you. 
So every time you say something negative, um, write that negative phrase down and think about how do I get this in my vocabulary? Just because the world says it, and that why do you think the devil put him in put these kind of phrases in influencers' mouths and in commercials and TV shows and entertainers? Because he wants us talking idle words. And it may be idle to us, but that thing is powerful nonetheless. I'm at the one hour marker, y'all. know I love y'all. Have you read the whole Bible? Yes, I have, Chris. Yeah, I have. Um, I love y'all. I prayed this video was a blessing. Um, I feel like I need to answer one more. Tatiana says, I've never dated anyone who is serious about God. Any advice? I really want the chance of a godly relationship that leads to marriage. And I'll end on this. The best things in life take time. Do you know how long it takes to make a man of God? Do you know how long it takes to make a woman of God? Do you, I mean, literally, do you know how long it takes for a person to become saved, number one, um, to go deep in their sanctification process, um, to have their mind renewed and have their perspective points established in their mind on how they... Do you know how long it took me to be ready for marriage? It took me 30-some years. You see what I'm saying? I'm telling you, listen, they eligible, eligible married years... It's probably what, um, I don't know, 18. So you're talking about 18 to 30. I got married last year, so I was, what, 32? 18, 19, 20, 21, 22, 23, 24, 25, 26, 27, 28, 29, 30, 31, 32. Well, that's 15 years. Man, it takes a long time. Man, I had some crazy thinking. I, I was, I've been serving God since I was a young boy. And I had lust issues. I had a porn addiction. I had abandonment issues. Um, and I was called by God. But just 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 because I'm called by God doesn't mean um, just because I'm called by God doesn't mean I'm a man of God. I could be a boy in God. You know what I'm saying? I could be a babe in God, but I'm not a man and a man of God. A man of God, I'm of God. You know what I'm saying? I'm of him. I'm of his personality. I'm of his character. I'm of his actions. You see what I'm saying? So that takes a long time to nurture that. And a lot of people get discouraged because they're like, Josh, why does everybody else get their boo? And why does everybody else get their 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 lady or their man but me? But time proves whether or not that was made by God. Do people do people recognize just how uh, um, real the divorce rate is? If 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 everybody's relationships was so amazing, then divorce rates would be low. They're high. Because the same people that post online their marriage photos don't post the photos of their divorce court. Where's those photos? No, no, no. Don't be trying to delete photos. Give us everything. So what I'm trying to encourage you is it takes a long time to make a woman of God. It takes a long time to make a man of God. And if you want the best thing, things take time. If you want to have uh, a certain type of life, you have to be matured and that person has to be matured and y'all both have to be submitted to the timing of God. And that sounds exhausted from the human standpoint, for, but from God, God know the day and the hour when, when he's going to put y'all together and it's going to work in his providential timing. I've never dated anyone who is serious about God. Now, there's some kind of maybe some insecurities about that because you're like, well, I never had a serious relationship. But what I will advise you is that you become serious about God. You will begin to recognize the seriousness other people have about God in their words, in their deeds, in their actions. A man who's serious about God ain't going to try to be serious about getting in your pants. A man who's serious about God ain't going to be impulsive and trying to marry you. A person serious about God is a person, a man who's willing to let God lead them and vice versa, fellas. So, a lot of people can talk the talk, but your eyes got to see if they walk the walk. I really want the chance at a God, and you will have the chance at a godliness that leads to marriage. You will have it if you trust God with it. And you have to realize the numbers are really slim in the category of those who trust God. That number's slim. There's a bunch of single people, but there's not a bunch of single people who truly trust in God. So though I believe God has a person for every person who's single who trusts him. Everybody else can kick rocks. I'm sure God's like y'all can kick rocks because you ain't trying to you ain't trying you ain't trying to have me in your marriage. Kick rocks. I'm not saying God ain't like that. 
But what I'm saying is God's just a realist. God's like, you know what? I would love to put you with somebody, but you're not. God's so all knowing that he doesn't waste his time because he's above time. You know why he don't waste time? Because he don't he don't live by time. He lives by order. And God already understands this person never going to accept me. So there's a pool of people who's going to be settling with each other. And God's like, I don't got no dealing with that because I already foreknow that they're not even going to allow me to, to match make them. But these group of people, these remnant people who trust me, I got somebody for them because I know who's going to trust me. If you truly trust him, he's going to entrust you with the right person. Love you guys. Books online. This book here on uh, soul ties and strongholds, um, World War Me, book on spiritual warfare, um, the purpose of singleness for those who are struggling in singleness or are not whole. This book's for you. This book will help you. Um, dating prep for those who are single, those who are in a courting or dating relationship, or those who are married. This book plus the card game that goes with it will be beneficial to you. Go to my website, IamUnplugged.com for more details on that. Um, I write my website down just in case those in the chat just want, you know, because we live in an age that if you don't give them no hyperlink, they ain't going to type it. So let me go ahead and put that there. I am unplugged.com. Make sure that link works. Yep. All my resources are there. Um, you're so welcome. You got the purpose of singleness? I'm so glad. I pray it's a blessing to you. Um, ooh, y'all got a lot of good questions. That's why I like scrolling down because I start getting, my mind start getting attached. My mind be like, oh, answer that. That's good. But subscribe, hit the bell, make sure you get post notifications so that you'll be able to say, you know what? Coach is live now. Go ahead and just keep that question on copy and paste and be ready to paste it in the chat so I can help you. Those books are online, two uh, courses online. Uh, our mentoring program, my wife and I's mentoring program starts in February. We need your support now. If you would love to support our nonprofit organization, Propel, um, this is our fourth year with the kids. And so we've mentored over 150 kids so far. And um, we're going to have a new batch of kids this year. But we want to go to the middle school where our kids have graduated into. Uh, what's up? Uh, and so we need we need financial help. So if you want to help, we'll love your support. Um, if you just want to give what I want to do, that's cool, too. Uh, wherever the Lord leads you, y'all be blessed. Um, I know. Got to get the baby to bed. But you know what's good about these videos? They'll be available forever or until they start taking Christian content off the line. And it's coming. So enjoy while it lasts. Love y'all. Y'all be blessed. Now, nah, I ain't trying to scare you. Y'all have a good one. Love y'all. Appreciate you too, Nick. Appreciate you all for following and just trusting me with your questions. But like I always say, as he, Coach Josh is closed. So I'm going to turn the sign from being open to closed. But you know who's always open? The Holy Spirit. Talk to him today. He got to answer your questions better than I do. Love y'all. Y'all be blessed. See y'all next time. T-shirts at the bottom of the videos. T-shirts on my website as well. All that good stuff are all resources for y'all. Love y'all. Y'all be blessed. See y'all next time. Peace.